Well, hello everyone. Firstly, I want to apologize. This is not the normal introduction you would hear from the Slow Home podcast. That's because half of it wasn't recorded properly. So I do apologize for that. I just wanted to pop in before the start just to let you know who today's guest is. And that is the lovely Jackie Carr. She's a returned guest, friend of the show. Brooke first met up with Jackie and Jackie helped Brooke during her first book tour over in North America. We got to meet up with Jackie and her family over in Denver, Colorado. We have very fond memories of that. But I just wanted to make sure that you knew exactly who we were talking about when I cut the rest of this introduction in. So enjoy the second half of the introduction and the interview itself. So it was really cool to see her. You know, I'm Zooming these interviews now, so I love being able to see people's faces mm with more clarity than I've ever been able to see using, you know, old pre-COVID tech. And it was just a really nice chat. You know, I always, I love having conversations with people where, you know, they're like, let's just do it. Let's not plan it. Let's see where we go. And I really like where we went. So is Jackie, is she running in-person events at the moment in the US? No, no I don't think still so. Not, still not doing that. No. I don't think so. So things from what... Uh, you know, she and I spoke about and what Jess Davis and I spoke about last week, things are certainly opening back up mm. in different stages in different places, but I don't think so. She runs, she does run a mastermind though online. And I think the plan is for some of that to happen in person. I think that's what she's done previously. As they, as they open up, we in New South Wales close down. Mm, we it's do. very interesting times here. But anyway, if you would like to learn more about Jackie. We will include all her links in the show notes to this episode. And you can also check her out at JackieCarr.com and she's Jackie Carr on Instagram as well. So I finally got my ish together mm. and created a show notes landing page for this season. So slowyourhome.com slash season seven, the number seven, will lead you to all the episodes from this season with links and little notes and all of that good stuff too. Excellent. All right, let's get into the show. Jackie, hello. How are you? Hello, old friend. So good. So good to see you, talk to you, be in our energetic connection bubble right now. I know. Thank God for technology, because the last time we saw each other was in person. At a sweet little coffee shop with our children. It was lovely. Mm -hmm. And I and I wish we were there right now, but this will have to do. This will do. And I'm glad. I'm glad for it. Um, how are you doing? Just a quick check-in. How are you? Yeah, I, I'm good. I'm, I feel today, you know, yesterday was totally different, but today I feel very grounded and purposeful and and really peaceful today the sun is under a cloud cover and there's a light breeze and um I feel really soft which is nice yesterday was a bit edgy so it's nice to feel mm -hmm. soft today soft is nice that sounds really nice I feel softer with you saying that actually so thank <laughs> you <laughs> anytime <laughs> I'll just tap in like Jackie talk me down <laughs> Yeah, it just depends on the day. I'll be like, nope, edgy day. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we can like be a seesaw. We can come in and out for each other. Totally. 
that's actually a really perfect place to begin because I know you and I, when we spoke on the pod last time, we dug into goals and nature and all sorts of delicious things. But goals are something I found myself thinking about a lot over the last 18 months. And I wanted to talk to you about setting goals, working towards goals in a world that is constantly changing and uncertain. I mean, and the funny thing is the world has always been constantly changing and uncertain, but the last 18 months has just been this collective experience of uncertainty. What are your feelings, I guess, on the importance or lack of importance of goals in a time like what we've just lived through and are living through? Yeah, I feel I'm I'm so curious. I need to look up the exact date we talked because I feel I've changed most likely quite a bit since our last conversation. And as you change, your practices change, your rituals, um, your goals, your goals, practice or style, your values change. I would say this wave of uncertainty a lot of us are feeling, you know, has really allowed us a time of reflection. I feel a lot of people are in reflection. How am I living? Mm -hmm. What am I doing with my time? A lot of people are asking, where do I want to live, be, do things? And I think with that kind of reflection, it can create somewhat of a, like an earthquake beneath your own self. And I do always, I know one of our favorite conversations, I come back to my values a lot, letting them change and ebb and flow, my core values and And also knowing that goals are imperfect. Goals will always be, well, depending on how you define them, y'all. Goals will always be a space of guidance, but very rarely do they land right on time. And I would even dare say never do they look how you thought when you first wrote the goal down. Because say you and I wrote a goal down from today for a year in the future, we will be different. The world will look different and thus the goal will shift and change. And so I feel goals are important because they can create a groundedness in times of unease. You can create language and goals around softening. Instead of saying, I work towards my goals, what if we started to say, I'm open to receiving my goals? And I'm really playing with way less hustle. I love effort and discipline when it's time for that, but shit, I've been tired, Brooke. (laughs) I'm tired. Yeah. And so, whereas my younger 20 something self could stay up all night and work on goals all the time as I begin to move into um, my 40th decade here in a couple of years, I don't really want to be pushing and forcing. And so I've been redefining goals as a place to create direction, choice, and guidance and starting to navigate when to go and when to receive. Mm. I don't think we talk about that enough. No, exactly. And I mean, keep coming back to this word softening into it I think it's just such a beautiful way of considering goals and allowing for personal evolution but also allowing for as you say the very high likelihood 
that whatever it is that we're working towards will not look like we think it will or we think it should. Um, and the way that we get there may not feel or think, uh, feel or look the way we think it should. And I know that that's something I've had to come to terms with over the last 18 months. Like working on my book, for example, I've written a book before. I know that it's messy. I had no sense of how messy that this one was going to be. And yeah. that was because I was a different person, but the world was different. My circumstances were different. My headspace was different. My family was different. Everything was different. And there's no way you can necessarily plan for that. So having that kind of fluidity in your approach to a project or a goal or an idea that you want to work towards, I think that's where I've landed. And it sounds like you've landed somewhere similar. Totally. Yeah. I, I don't really believe in doing goals by myself anymore. Some people will definitely argue with me on that. Please go ahead. Let's try it. And um, I don't really believe my personality, for example, um, can do goals by myself without support from a community. I also think like there's people along my path I haven't met yet that will bring that goal to fruition. And that person I haven't met can be me. Yeah, right. And so I love this language of softening to receive. Yeah. When we are, you know, you know, tight gripping our life, you know, I think we we miss out on people or the uncomfort that comes to becoming another version of yourself or perhaps bringing back past parts, new parts, whatever it may be, and then welcoming perhaps new people, new communities in that might say one thing that changed your practice, that changed the way you wrote your book, that check in on you when you're low or check in on the goal. Hey, how's that goal going? I need that support. So I really like that beautiful vision that, oh my God, I haven't met that person, that part of me yet, but I can't wait. And then you wake up each day pretty stoked. Like that in itself, I think is an amazing goal to have is like that. It's almost wonder, you know, it's yeah. like wondrous. And also you wonder what the day will bring, what the next week will bring, what in terms of yourself, in terms of those parts that are evolving. And there's um, less rigidity to that, as you say. And also, I think to me anyway, in my head, rigidity is tied to hustle. It's tied to like that urgency sort of mentality. Um, how have you gone about reducing your, your grip on the hustle side of it? You know, because I know that you're someone who has in the past been really driven by your goals and you'd set a goal and you'd work towards it, you'd grind towards it. Yeah. What does it look like for you to continue to be mindful of things that you're working towards, but to have dropped the idea of hustle a little? Oh my gosh, so many things. Do you know I nap now? I like lay down. I lay down like before this call. So I I had a call like two hours prior and then I had a couple things to get done. And I like run inside. Chris is like, why are you out of breath? I'm like, I'm trying to get to my yoga nidra nap. And I have like <laughs> run in the house. And so, yeah, I like, I lay down now. Like, at 1 p.m. 
it's you have a, changed oh it's it's a mind warp I'm like so screwed up over here I'm like is this real and yeah like through 2020 into 2021 my body was like mm, you better turn it up girl you better turn up that self-care and I had an astrologist say the same thing I always have one astrology reading in January and she goes "Ooh," and I don't know what she saw she probably couldn't say it because it was too scary but she was like, if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to definitely suffer this year. And I was like, oh, whatever. People probably said that to me for 20 years. But this time I like really listened. And so, yeah, like I lay down, which is weird. And I'm really working on like, and I shared this yesterday on my Instagram. I did some intuitive eating coaching a couple of years ago, you know, like listening to when you're full and not cleaning your plate if you're full, not finishing your drink if you're done, right? That kind of work. And I've been thinking about that with my day. Like, what if I'm done at 12.30 with work? What if I'm at capacity? Someone shared that language with me. What if I'm full? And so do I keep going or can I intuitively listen to when I'm like pretty zapped? Oh man, screens are hard for me. I know this is fun, us on Zoom and it is, it is fun. But damn, I burn out quite quickly on screens Same. these days. Yeah. So I've had to like batch screen time, which is basically my work time mm -hmm. and like get up and go for a walk or go be with my kids. And once the kids enter the sphere of work is done, bro, work is a donezo. So that's been something to, you know, nap time. It sounds so funny to say, um, batching my screen time. I've always been a batcher. But for real batching, like when I get a little cross-eyed with emails and then um, I just have less on my plate, Brooke. I have one thing I'm doing in work, not eight. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying it and focusing all my energy on my mastermind versus also speaking, also doing events and hikes. And just in case people are interested, I'm more than happy to consult in your business. And I'm like, Oh, right. Like I can try one thing. So I'm like doing like one lane of my, my area of expertise, trying it instead of having eight lanes I bob and weave out of. So you are like the epitome of someone who is defining and redefining and honoring boundaries, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah. which I'm sure would make you feel like, cause this is the thing, right? That is very straightforward way of saying it. And you're like, yeah, but the struggle is real. And, you know, I've gone through yeah. this entire evolution and it's messy. And some days I'm this and other days I'm that. But, you know, I think that as you say, our language around goals needs to shift. I think our language around boundaries needs to shift and be more human and be kinder and gentler and, you know, recognizing that we're going to have days where it comes easier to have that one lane and we're going to have other days where it feels really hard and it's all okay. Yeah. Good luck having goals if you don't have boundaries, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. You learn that lesson real fast Yeah, because people like, you know, they have their own set of values and their own goals they're working on as well. And if you don't have boundaries with who you share your goals with boundaries, with your time boundaries, even with like old parts of yourself that are no longer Oh, goals are hard. Goals are hard and they become a bit judgmental. Right. That's a really good way of summing up this sort of discomfort that I've had with goals in the past, which is kind of why 
I walked away from the idea. I was very sort of anti-goal setting for a while because yeah. of exactly what you just said. It felt like judgment. It felt like if I didn't do it in the way that I thought I should or if it evolved over time, then I failed, you know, yeah. uh, with no regard given to the journey that I'd gone on, like from point A to point B, I mightn't have gotten to point B or if I did, it didn't look the way I thought it would. Uh, but regardless, that mm -hmm. whole process of working towards it um, teaches you stuff, you know, yeah. and you're learning and you never go back to square one because you are not the same person that you were when you began. Oh, uh, so, God. yeah, I really like that that word to sum up sort of what I have experienced as the negative side of rigid goal setting, judgmental. I think that's really helpful. Well, wait, let's talk about that big ass F word you just dropped there, the word failure. I think mm. most people who have ever, you know, bailed a goal setting practice would liken it back to some type of failure and what that meant for them. Because when we fail goals or anything in our capitalist societies that we live in or hustle society, grind society, whatever that may be, you know, we over identify with the failure. We're like, oh, I failed the goal. Therefore I am a failure. And that's a load of shit. The mm -hmm. truth is you failed that one time because you didn't want it anymore or you didn't make it a priority or it wasn't the right time. You weren't ready. Ooh, people don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that. Like I'm people, me, I don't like when it's not in my control. Humans love control, but failure is the seed of learning. Failure is when we realize, do I still want this or not? And you can delete it. There's a delete button y'all on your goal sheet. I think you forgot to add it, but you can delete goals whenever they no longer serve you or you've grown. I've grown out of many goals and took them off with no shame in the game. I was like, well, this isn't it anymore. And I love that because if, if we're not willing to fail, I really feel like being human is gonna be hard. Mm -hmm. And so if we give ourselves permission to allow, even allow the notion of failure as a seat of learning along the way, I think it really makes goal setting a much more beautiful practice of being human versus being a robot in our goals who gets from A to B with a linear line, which is never, ever possible. Because mm -mm. mm -mm. so we're not machines, right? Like we live in a world where it would be, um, I think the majority of issues and conversations expect us to be binary right so we're yes or we're no we're in or we're out we're with we're for or we're against and that is a very robotic way of viewing us as as beings you know yeah uh, and I think it's so important to release our grip on that and to embrace the everything in between and the mess and the gray the you know millions of, of shades of gray in the middle and meet each other there rather than in the a or the b you know the yeah. yes or the no yeah mm. humans love there's a i think we might have talked about this on the last podcast but pema children's book living beautifully with uncertainty and change there's this chapter where she's like oh we as humans love to put people in a box okay mm -hmm. brooke is a podcaster and an author she goes here 
Jackie's a goal coach and an Aquarius. She goes way over there. And it's quite fun with, with this ability to then be like, this is who those people are. But that'll last for about 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we all change, shift, grow, evolve. And so the box gets a little tricky because I think people change. And the thing that's hard about that is we forget to communicate our changes to one another. We forget to communicate our changes to ourselves. So we're also then putting ourselves in a box yeah. and forgetting that, as you said at the beginning, change is the only constant. Failing forward is one of the ways. Achievement's another one, along with 80 other possibilities. So yeah, I just love when I am not too tired or when I'm not hungry or thirsty, all these things, I'm able to soften and be like, oh, wow, like, I don't want that goal anymore. I still want that goal. Yeah, I'm still working towards that goal or way to go. That goal was great. And I love who I've become on the way to that goal. And I think if we're into goals as a reflection of self versus this finish line, we'll have a a, a much softer approach Mm. than do it or else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you better do it self, or I'm going to judge you. And then I'm going to hold you, you know, accountable to this thing that you didn't do. You said the word reflection. And that is something that I want to dig into in a practical sense, right? Because I think it's very easy, again, get caught up in hustle culture, urgency culture, to not reflect, to not take some time to check in and go, hey, I have made progress on that didn't look like I thought it would, but that's okay. Or actually I did that thing and I never stopped to celebrate. I never stopped to pat myself on the back to say, you know, well done. So what practical tools do you use personally? And do you recommend other people to experiment with that help you to reflect? Well, I feel maybe we're giving hustle culture a bad rap. So let's dissect that for a second. When I'm like hustling for something I love, or I was like um, biking with my kids in a trailer behind me, real slow, Brooke. I'm talking like one of my children was like, are we losing power? I was the power. (laughs) The answer's yes. Yes. There was like a tiny hill. I'm going so slow. I'm sweating my entire body off in this helmet. (laughs) And the ability though, to like hustle on that bike, get to this like snow cone place five miles away. Oh, I loved it. I was drenched and I got there and I got the snow cone and I was so happy. And I was like, oh, I love sweating for something that matters to me. A family experience, um, women in business, nature, the earth. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I don't really mind. I love a good hustle when it's something that's aligned and makes me feel alive. And yet I think a lot of us can should on ourselves where we Mm -hmm. think we should be at a certain age. You know, I think we hustle for things that we think other people want us to be doing a societal ideal, uh, a body image ideal, whatever that may be. And that hustle then turns into stress or burnout. Whereas moving my body 
losing power along the way and then making it to my goal of a snow cone with custard on the bottom, by the way, oh and that condensed milk on top. Uh-huh, see? And that makes sense to me. So I think what's missing for a lot of us is the reflection of self of like, oh, who am I now? What makes me feel alive now? You know, I do this through values work. I believe in an outside opinion, whether it's a coach, a therapist, functional doctor, doctor, whatever it may be for y'all. And really allowing yourself to be curious. Curiosity, kind of like what you said earlier with wander. Mm. If you can be curious about what kind of day you're going to have versus waking up and being like, oh, it's going to be the worst day ever. So staying curious, even about your own self. Do you know what I just laughed about this morning? Everybody in the pandemic loves this whole like sweatpant life. They're like, yay, I don't even have to get dressed for work, whatever. I got dressed every day. I'm like, I'm gonna put jeans on. I'm gonna get dressed. I put shoes on. I walked six steps to my she shed out here. I got dressed every day. And now everybody else is getting dressed again. And I'm like, I don't want to. So this morning I'm like sweatpants. I'm like, I'm like rebelling against where like this fish are swimming. I'm like that salmon swimming upstream. And yep. I just chuckled at myself. I'm like, look at me. How annoying. And it was just so fun to choose like leggings when like 360 days straight, I put jeans on and people are like, you're stupid. You're crazy. And I'm like, I know. And now I'm choosing sweatpants. I'm like, oh, it's fun to stay really curious about our changes, our evolutions, ourselves, and then how we want to show up in perhaps hustle culture our way yeah. versus the way that everybody else has. And listen, some people's ways really going to work for you. Some people's ways aren't. And it's mm-hmm. really understanding and checking in with like, what do I want? What feels good? What feels like me now, today? And so, you know, realigning hustle culture. So you hustle towards what you love, pausing to reflect and receive, maybe laying down like I've been doing, Yeah. putting a different pair of pants on. I mean, mo- I, oddly, all the jeans are a little tight right now, which is totally fine, by the way. But I did like just totally, the, the buttons just totally like exhaled the other day when I took them off. And I was like, I'll just give you all a full like month off. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, buttons. <laughs> No, and like, actually I'm not because that snow cone was so good. I got another one the next day. And so, yeah, I I feel like things get defined for us quite easily, Mm. Brooke. The word goal, the word hustle, the word rest even gets defined by as like sleep or someone might think it's lazy. That's how I used to think of it, by the way. And so if you can get just a little nerdy with words, I would almost just, you know, really request of us all to know what words mean to us. Yeah. And and operate within your own user manual. You know, I think we're we're looking at what goals have meant to people before. And actually we got to soften and slow down or we're going to burn. And so I think the redefining of words has been a key for me to living my life, not anybody else's. I think that is so, so important because you're right. I mean, even when I talk about hustle culture, it's almost through a lens of um, disdain's a strong word, but you know, like. Oh, disgust. Just say it. Yeah. You yeah. can throw it out there. 
<laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, you're 100% right because I can look at the way that I've worked over the last 18 months and have I hustled uh, to get a book finished? Yes, absolutely. Have I hustled to, you know, finish up work so that I can go for a bushwalk with my family? Yes, I have, you know, so it's, you're 100% right with that and with the idea of rest. And I feel like that's at least 50% of the work that I do is redefining words that have been co-opted, you know, to mean one thing so that people can sell stuff to that one pain point. Uh, Like Mm. I try and do that with the idea of slow. I'm trying to do that with the idea of care and softening the whole, like the entire edge of those words and saying, what does it mean to you and why? And how can you take that and redefine it and put it into play in your life so that you're able to move forward in a way that feels positive and grounded in, you know, your desires, your hopes, your goals. Yeah. So powerful, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because like there is that, that, like you said the word lazy, and that is one of the biggest words that I come up against when I talk to people about slowing down or taking totally. a nap or, you know, and people are like, yeah, but I am ambitious. I have, I have dreams. I'm working towards things. And I'm like, yeah, I think that's true of most people actually, you know, and I think it's just how we, uh, how we, I guess, reframe that in a way that is not going to be so taxing, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So th- I think that's a really good suggestion for people listening have, you know, have a listen to the inner dialogue that's going on with yourself and those words that you're coming up hard against. What if you spent some time thinking about what they mean to you and then also what meaning you have sort of absorbed from the greater world and see how you can shift them? Yeah. And if you need a word, start with goal, because I've never mm-hmm. met anyone who didn't have their own working definition. Mm-hmm. They'd had one they read or borrowed, or had truly not thought of because they've deleted the practice because it was too heavy or too hard. Like that's such a, it's such a big word. It really is. And so, you know, try it on, see what happens. You might find like an acronym in there. I don't know. Just have fun with it. So that sort of takes me to um, a question that I've, I want to ask because I've recognized it in you just via social media and the stuff that you share publicly yeah. is this huge personal evolution and evolutions, yeah. I guess, is probably a more apt way of putting it. Um, can you, I guess, talk me through where you're at at the moment um, in terms of your values and whether you have seen a huge shift over the last couple of years since we last talked um, and how you come to peace with the messiness of it. I know we've sort of already talked about that in a general sense, but I'm really curious about, about you personally. Okay. Wait, let's, let's rewind for a second. This is so fun for me. So I have a lot of people, no, not a lot, but a handful that are like, Oh, I see you changing. I see you evolving. I see you transitioning. And when you're in transition, you're like, I know, but what do you see? Tell me. So like for me as, as a receiver of that, you know, perhaps so, so social media lens, like what have you seen that's different? It's fun to feel 
like, you know, social media is such a weird place. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will write me that I don't know. And of course I do know you. We've met in person. We've worked together. I've read your book, book clubbed at many things. And um, what have you seen that's different? And then I'll tell you about my value. Yeah. Okay. Um, in you, I have seen, and again, this is just via like public because we have oh, yeah. really no wrong answers. No yeah. wrong answers. Um, I have seen a real, I keep saying the word, like a softening in your um, language and a curiosity and an openness in your language, I guess, around self-exploration, around mm. your work, around um, the way you show up in things, I think, in uh, in work, in family, in your relationship with Chris. Uh, it's a... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? A surrender almost to the to the um, ebb and flow of life rather than, you know, a more rigid approach, which is like, no, I got this stuff can change around me, but I am here and I'm doing my thing. (laughs) But that's what I see. Yeah. No, 100 percent. I noticed that, you know, two and a half years ago, I recorded a goals course. Mm. I have like an online school. And so I'd recorded these seven videos. And so I usually let the videos breathe and then I go watch them. I don't really like, I don't love watching them. I'm like, oh, I should have straightened that hair out, whatever. (laughs) Or my voice, which I've become more attuned to. But I was watching it again, Brooke, like two months later to start to put together my course. And I was like, oh no, I have to scrap this. and in that like two month time frame, my goal setting approach had completely changed. And the videos I had made were from that version of myself that was like, this is a great way to do things, do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I really do know, oh my God, I was thinking back. I had this video I never shared where I like run at the screen from like a hiking trail and I like say something like, it's me or goals. And I'm like, oh my God, that was so aggressive. <laughs> and I love it. Cause I was, I, in my younger, early goal coach self, I was vivacious and passionate and aggressive <laughs> about goals. And it was cool when I scrapped all that. It was like right before COVID in like February and then March hit. And then you couldn't really be around people. I couldn't hire a videographer and the whole shebang shebang. So I had to like use my iPhone and a ring light and kind of, not kind of, do it myself with my best friend, Matt in California on the other side of Zoom being like, it looks good. And it was so imperfect and so messy and so not air quote professional. and. I just loved it because my old self would have never really let that fly or would have been like, no, I need someone else to video it or I need a a professional. And I got scrappy again. And so it was so cool also to then see I had to include failure and boundary work, which wasn't in this course I scrapped. So, you know, parts of myself started to, to show up and I also, you know, I have two young children, my second child, I talk about her often, she'll hear these and be like, thanks a lot, mom. But 
she's a Gemini and she really doesn't sleep well. It's been like four years now. And I was like, oh, wow, like I'm pretty tired and I can't do all that I used to be able to do. And I know this will be a conversation for my whole life. I can't do what I used to be able to do, what, whether it's something physical, emotional, like, ooh, my emotional cap is way less people than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Spiritually, whole nother ball game. So I, I really uh, agree with you that there's been a, a softening in my approach to goals, in my approach to my own body, you know, having kids was a softening for me, but, mm-hmm. um, being, I just really don't want to pass on the, my own inner critic to my children. I've really been, you know, your children are an immediate reflection of things you do say and are. And so I've been really navigating that responsibility of my, my voice and my, that's peace. what I hear. That is what I hear in you. Yeah. It's like yeah. this, it's it's um, a coming to self-kindness and self-love, not for, you know, not even just for the sake of that, but for this purpose of bringing up your daughters with, you know, a kind inner voice and with a much yeah. less noisy inner critic. And that's it. I think, I think, yeah, that's it. yeah I, I see you exemplifying that in everything. And there is compassion and, and kindness in the way that you view yourself and, um, you know, the things you're experimenting with and why, and you speak a little bit about the idea of like embracing the weird as well. And, you know, which I love, I think that's dynamite as, you know, a life philosophy. Uh, And I want to talk to you a bit about that in a minute, (laughs) but yeah, I think I really see that. Yeah. That makes a, a huge amount of sense in what I've seen shift in you over the last couple of years. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that's great. I love that you just gifted me that language. See, this is why we can't do goals alone, y'all. Some people have right. gifts and keys that you just haven't tapped yet. Brooke just opened like a really huge door for me. So I just love that, Brooke, because, okay, let's use your language. This is so fun for me. Because like I had to slow it down to even recognize the autopilot that I had my inner critic on, which made me successful. Right. I was hustle culture, by the way. <laughs> like I was. And and that served me. I've I've written her letters. I've thanked her for how hard she worked. And sometimes I fall back into it. No lies. I'm not perfect, y'all. I'm, <laughs> I'm not like uh, I'm totally evolved now. No, like I totally like fell back into it like a couple months ago. So I, I find that I have to slow down, which is probably where the nap and stuff comes from. And I'm not running right now. Like my body's like, nope, no running. You can't run. And I did try to run and then my body's like, my back hurts. And I was like, all right, fine. So it's like more of like walking. So you can just, I can hear when the critic comes back and mm-hmm. she, she is so mean. Oh, she is just wretched. Uh-huh. And she served me for a long time to, you know, get to where I am and build confidence and, and resilience. And yet there is, like you said, so many layers of gray beyond being resilient that actually can serve. What if my goals happen when I'm sleeping? That'd be great. So <laughs> find out. So yeah, thank you for that. No, it's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Because I mean, I think anything that gives people 
definitely including myself permission to shift and evolve and flow around things that are happening and um you know to play around with with a different way of seeing and to really flip on its head the assumptions that we've got and the stories that we tell ourselves is such a gift to people so on behalf of me thank you and I'm sure there's at least one person listening who's like huh yes (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah 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 good good do it slow down so you can hear maybe give her a name them he whoever they are a name yeah my inner critic has always been Gertrude I call her Gert for short so it's nice to know it's not me you know that's a that's a old self yeah. And I, um, I talk to my kids about this sometimes too, is like we, everyone has that voice. Everybody has it. Uh, and it's about kind of acknowledging that first of all, but also um, kind of looking beyond the surface of what those voices necessarily tell us and listening to why they're saying it. If it's fear, if it's like a desire to protect us, uh, tapping into that and and like, this is a, a big thing to talk to kids about because I'm 39 and I still struggle with it, but learning to acknowledge that maybe they're acting in like Gertrude or whoever it is, is acting in that way because they're trying to, you know, offer you protection or to, to not see you put yourself out there too much or to get hurt. Um, and I think it's important to acknowledge that, but it's also important to recognize that we can quieten that voice by building our esteem, by, uh, you know, by doing things that make us feel cared for and that that becomes the louder voice, you know, that part of us that is like, yeah, actually I am worthy of rest and not only am I worthy of it, but it will allow me to then get up later and work towards these things that I have now redefined and that feel like a good fit in my life um it's that constant conversation I guess that we're having and like let's call a spade a spade this is not easy work Mm -mm. like this is or can be really challenging especially like I even hear my inner voice right now that's like like oh yeah I love laying down but there is a part of me that's like oh man, that's not available for everybody. And even in capitalism, they don't talk about that. That's not available there. And, you know, when we live in a society that really does favor the hustle, I was, you know, sharing with family members, it's hard to talk about rest. It's hard to talk about death. It's hard to talk about things like inner critics because it's a slowdown. All of that is right. the ability to pause your life for moments that connect you to that revelation that like, wow, you might be the key for us as a society. Perhaps you bring, you know, a 20 minute nap time to your corporation. You're a key for us. And all of us who are operating with these inner critics are like, stay in the lines. Mm-hmm. Don't say that. Don't do that. And don't disrupt the status quo or as we'll talk about get weird then we will stay the same and we will be static and we will be boring and I I think about that often as like oh man I'm not gonna fit in right like there's a deep desire in all of us to belong not fit in but to belong but fitting in is such a facade that it's like Mm -hmm. a momentary band-aid well if I hustle too 
I'll look like I have all the money in the world on Instagram and then I'll be famous. And it's such a weird slippery slope. <laughs> and so it is challenging to go against what society or your inner critic says, because usually there's like a line to what it's connected to, like you're saying. And yet when we can remember our uniqueness, like our wiring, you know, to bring new information that's in all of us. I think it's so nice to tap into that. I remember that like your message is so needed. Please don't hide it. Don't be stingy. I'll try not to. I get it. I get it. I get that. Like that inner voice. It's like, this is not, this does not feel accessible to everyone, you know, and capitalist society, people like we're in it. And, and for so many people, the idea of stepping away from that, even in the smallest sense, like even in a really, really small countercultural sense feels terrifying, right? Because that's the, that's the, the hustle. That's the story that we're told, you know, if we step off, then we're screwed, you know, and then we're behind and then, and then, and then, and then. So it's, yeah, I, I battle that a lot. And that's part of the reason I wrote my second, that like the next book, the way I did was to make all of these ideas of care and what they look like for individual people as accessible as possible, like break it down so that there is something in every chapter that everyone who reads it could practice for themselves, regardless of any circumstance, you know, and, um, I think that like, as you say, that ripple, someone making that change, bringing that idea of 20 minute siesta to the office, whatever it may be, it seems small, but that's where real shift happens. You know, that's where it all occurs. Now I know we're really nearly out of time, but just one really quick question. You have been embracing the weird as one of your values over the last little while. And I love it. And it's so joyful. Could you give me a quick snapshot of what that that looks like for you or what, what drives it? I have way more fun. And I've been asking, like, where's fun? Mm-hmm. Like, especially after the pandemic, I think a lot of us are like, oh, God, I forgot what fun is. And we forget. And it's really hard to look outside of yourself for fun. That's a tricky one, you know, because yeah. fun really shows up uniquely to you in play in your body. and so. I have been asking, you know, what's really weird? And I've been called weird a lot. So I was like, always trying to fight it for a long time. Oh, you're so weird. Like whether I was doing like, you know, an impression of Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura as a kid or my grandmothers who just thought I was off the rails and even my parents, right? Like technology is moving us pretty quickly in different directions. And so I, I have found that I could either fight it or embrace it. And when I embraced it every time, like whether it's like talking about um, a revelation that people might not normally share, like something that happened while you're pooping. I do love talking about poop. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, I also love like, letting myself dance. I used to be a dancer as a kid, but like rigid dancing with choreography in a class. And like, what would it look like to just shake all of your body and dance, right? And I also, you know, am somewhat open of exploring 
the beautiful world of microdosing and psychedelics. I think that's a really yeah. neat space to start to learn about your brain, what's possible in the world of therapy. So that feels really cool. And then recognizing that when I, I like go look back in y'all's history books of yourself. And when I laugh the hardest, I go look for cues of like, what am I doing? And it's usually when I'm like being the most honest and the most weird. And I look to Anne Margaret from Grumpier Old Men. And she moves to Minnesota from California, of course. And all the Midwesterners are like, what in the actual hell? She's got this bright red hair. <laughs> and she is, the, the scene I always see, she has a sauna in her front yard. She's in a red swimsuit. She runs out of the sauna screaming like middle of the night the grumpy old men across the street are looking out the window like what my how and she's doing a snow angel in the snow and then shakes it off and goes and runs back in the sauna and they're <laughs> like of course like immediately in love with her and so jealous of her self-expression freedom of choice love of her own life and anyways I just love that part in, in that movie and I I think too, look for cues of like things you love in movies. I loved Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I love Anne Margaret. I loved my own grandmothers. They were really weird. And so I started just find this thread of weirdness in like what I was called as a kid that I thought was so bad. And then these women that I just totally look up to and embracing the weird, it means whatever you want it to be, but I really think it's, you know, our, our wild and our, our emotions, the full scale, mm. our body intelligence and, you know, our ability to be so dynamic and not linear, not one-sided. And I think, you know, we live in such this society now that's like, well, what side are you on? Who'd you vote for? Mm -hmm. What do you believe in this? And then it, people decide if they'd be friends with you or not, which by the way, I love boundaries. However, it also feels so divided out there. And so I think the only thing to break the divide is the weird. Yeah. 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 Get amongst it is really <laughs> get amongst the weird. It feels free. Yeah. And with like the inner critic talk we had a while ago, like I always felt so like trapped by that inner voice or mm. doing it. Oh my it God. Yes. Yeah, doing it right or having all the answers or never failing. And so the weirdness is like, it might get weird out there. And so I think weird does great when you respond with weird versus perfection. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really enjoying finding out what it means, which yeah. I think would be I, the curiosity. I'm enjoying watching you find out what it means for you as well. I think <laughs> it's really, it's fun. It's just genuinely fun. I think it's really cool. And it, to like put a bow on everything it's a softening right into yeah. what is acceptable and what is not and going actually I'm not so interested in what's acceptable um, I'm interested in that softness in softening into whatever gives you that that sense of freedom in yourself yeah Jackie always phenomenal food for thought I'll be chewing on this for quite literally weeks so mm -hmm. thank you for coming and sharing your heart with me. I appreciate it so much. Oh God, it's my pleasure. I promise to take wrong turns and share about them all the time. 
while also celebrating what's good. And I honor your weird as you honor mine. Absolutely. Love you to bits. Love you. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.